I spoke last week about how rich the first chapter of Mark is, how much is included in that, and we're squeezing a few more verses. These are from the first chapter of Mark as well. And we know, of course, that uh, all of the uh, cycles have scripture passages, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, on the temptations in the desert. But as we're very familiar, last year with Matthew, next year with Luke, much, much more detail. Uh, and of course, you, you recognize that probably it had to be detail provided by Jesus himself. I mean, Jesus and the devil would have been the only ones that have, would have known what goes on. But we know that uh, in the longer versions, that Jesus is tempted to turn the stones into bread when he's ravenously hungry. He's taken to a place where he can see all of the kingdoms of the world and promise power over them if he will but bow down and adore the devil. And then finally, when he rejects both of those, he uh, is put at the parapet of the temple and invited to plunge down to prove that he is who he, he appears to claim and know that the angels will rescue him. And, and Jesus again admonishes the devil, sends him off. Uh, the Lord alone will I worship. And, uh, and so it is a, a very important uh, element of Jesus's life. And, and yet it's also captured in just a few short sentences that we have in this gospel according to Mark. It starts out by saying the Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert. And I think certainly it could have been the prompting within him of the Holy Spirit. But it also has been a, a, a theory of many that uh, when Jesus went to get baptized by John, he was, uh, uh, he was, he was someone who saw the heard the voice of God in heaven and saw the Spirit descend upon him as a dove. And of course, John himself would have known that the God of Israel is the God of the desert. So he probably gave Jesus the encouragement, but it was the Holy Spirit that uh, prompted everything. And it says he remained in the desert for 40 days. We, uh, we accept that. I mean, we have no reason... Uh, to believe it's otherwise. In some ways, it seems like it would be impossible for a person to go without nourishment during that time, but, but Jesus does. And we know that people that have been on hunger strikes have lasted uh, two or three weeks, even beyond 40 days. And so, uh, but we also know again that he was, uh, uh, had to be extremely uncomfortable with the hunger, and he is tempted. Probably the, the way that uh, Matthew and Luke describe the, the temptations that come at Jesus. And it says, and, and, there, and there's something almost eerie about this, a uh, very short phrase, he was among wild beasts. And, and you have to assume that, uh, you know, when you're out by yourself, no weapon, anything like that, that, uh, that there's going to be some fear when you're surrounded by wild animals, but again, when you're talking about the Son of God and, and the powers he might have of even persuading the animal world that apparently he felt safe enough, and also says that the angels ministered to him. You know, the, uh, the promise of, of, uh, of God was that, that Jesus would have angels to minister to him, 
And, and I'm sure that as Jesus was sorting through the, the things that he wanted to do as he was prepping himself to take over the responsibility for advancing the kingdom, that uh, the ministry of the angels was great, of great value to him. And then just a little bit later on, uh, it says that after John had been arrested, talking about John the Baptist, of course, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. There was kind of a passing of the baton. Huh? John had done so much to prep the people for the coming of Jesus. And now here's Jesus basically saying the same thing that John was. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Those are kind of marching orders for us today, too, aren't they, as we enter into the Lenten season. Repent and believe in the gospel. You know, the, uh, uh, the, the spirit, I think, of the scriptures gives us a sense of what it is that we want to do with our Lenten season. And always it's, I mean, we're not forced to, we choose what we decide to do. The three principal ways that we honor God during the Lenten season, and I'm, many of you are familiar with this, not as many were able to make it to the Ash Wednesday service this past Wednesday, but we know that we're reminded that we need to pray more, that we need to fast, and, and by that I mean not only the kind of uh, denial of food that can firm up our prayer, but fasting as in sacrificing, giving something up. We associate that with Lent, don't we? We give up something that we enjoy for Lent so that we can show God that he's first and foremost in our lives, that we can do without this other. And then finally, almsgiving, generosity. We're asked to, to reach out. And, and certainly we know in this very difficult year that we're coming out of, that there are people in great need and we want to be there for them. So uh, looking forward to spending our Lent together. And, uh, and of course, we've got other really powerful Lenten readings to look forward to. But until then, we'll just feel the solidarity that comes with experiencing Lent as a community, the community of St. Cornelius and Cyprian James.